And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Red alert! All hands to battle stations! Engage! Captain Picard is a pain, isn't he? Interesting. No redeeming qualities. I think you should be destroyed. The great Captain Picard of Starfleet falls to Earth. Go back. Thou shalt most certainly die. Protect yourself, Captain, without destroying me. We are dangerous. Welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday TNG Edition. My name is Scott Gardner, and I am joined by Chris Honeywell. Hey, man. <laughs> I thought I heard this was going to be another Space Cheech and Chong episode. Oh, because it's the high ground? Yeah, man. Not that kind of high, man. Then I thought it was going to be like about Obi-Wan and Anakin's fight, man. <laughs> Nobody, unfortunately, nobody gets their arms and legs cut off. That would make it much not more on awesome, screen. Yeah, yeah, well, not on screen anyway. Yes, theoretically, some arm and legs could have probably got blown off anyway. That said, though, I, I don't want to give the impression right out of the gate that I don't like this one because I actually like this one quite a lot. So, unlike you know, if you listen to both Star Treks, and you know, I'm always kind of confused by people that don't because you really ought to be. But if, uh, if any of you have just come off of Star Trek Monthly Monday TOS edition, you know that we found the episode that we covered over there um, lacking. So lacking. That is, yeah. Although I didn't is. have a chance. I didn't really think to say that it wasn't that I, it, I didn't have to, like, uh, sit. I, I had to uh, get myself to watch it, but I made it through okay. You know, it mm -hmm. wasn't like, oh, my God, when will this end? You know, I was... <laughs> There was enough enjoyable goofiness, or at least stuff to think about. That oh, I can rag on this in the show, but yeah, we're we're doing a lot better in the next generation show. This this month. is true. It's a crapshoot uh, sometimes, so that's why it, you yeah. yeah yeah really ought to listen to both. 
This is, uh, I think that this is one of those episodes that again demonstrates the strength of the third season. I think the third season's damn good. I, I think that by and large they were really um, firing by about this time. I'm really, as a matter of fact, looking forward to the episode we're going to be covering next time because that's a really, really good one. But I like this one too. Um, this one's called the High Ground. Did you have anything before we uh, we jump into this one? Oh no. Okay. Next time on Star Trek, the next generation. Radical terrorists attack and kidnap Dr. Crusher. This is a war for independence. You are killing innocent people. Strike without warning. They're moving interdimensionally. Kill without mercy. Explosive charge on the main warp chamber. And are declaring war on the Enterprise on Star Trek, the next generation. Uh, this one's called The High Ground, as Chris said. And uh, this one... Now, see, the thing I like about the companion, the Star Trek The Next Generation companion book, is that it does give you the original air dates. I, I wish the uh, Star Trek compendium did that. But anyway, uh, it does give you the original air date. It aired the week of January 29th, 1990. And damn, that just... Every time I say that, it just feels longer and longer ago, It is. It? I mean, this, this next January, that'll be 25 years ago. That's nuts, man, to think that it's been that long. Anyway, here's the synopsis from the Star Trek The Next Generation Companion by Larry Nemesek. By the way, Larry Nemesek plays Dr. McCoy on uh, Star Trek Continues, which I thought was pretty damn cool. So here it is. It says, while helping victims of a terrorist bomb blast on non-aligned Rudia 4... Uh, Dr. Crusher is taken hostage by one of the terrorists. Now, I know the guy's last name was Finn. What the hell? How did the hell did he pronounce this? Is it Kirill? Is it yeah, like Kirill, Kirill, Quill, something? I'm just going to say Finn. Finn is fighting for the independence of his what? Quigley down under. Huck Finn. Finn is fighting for the independence of his people. The Ansada? Yeah, okay, I think that is what they say. The Ansada. It's just seeing it in print just looks different from how I pronounce it. Yeah, well, how they were pronouncing it. In my brain, anyway. Aiding the abduction and all the other terrorist acts is dimensional shift beaming, a mostly untraceable technology whose use came with a high cost. It breaks down body chemistry and is fatal if used too often. Flynn Pan- uh, Finn plans to keep Crusher for her medical knowledge and as a bargaining chip to increase the Federation pres- presence on the Rudians to settle the conflict with his people. Local police chief Alexana Davos. Do they even give her name? Why, why is it in here if they don't give it in the episode? Because I don't think they do. Does She's she just reach, a hot red. Rich Davos's. <laughs> rich Davos. Nobody in the audience is going to get that, but that cracked me up. <laughs> Uh, saddened, <laughs> saddened, but steel dirt. <laughs> She's just a hot redhead, as far as I was concerned. Uh, <laughs> try or cry. <laughs> saddened, but steeled to her job. Is inferior. What does that mean? Steeled to her job. What? What the hell? This is the weirdest worded no, thing. It means she's she's she she doesn't like doing what she's doing, but she has resolved 
Just steel like resolve to do what she has to do. Whatever. Is infuriated when Riker wants to bargain for Crusher. Angered by the medical aid brought to the Rudians by the Enterprise, Finn leads a raid to bomb its warp chamber. His plans are foiled by a cool-headed LaForge. What? But the Anastasian leader manages to get away with Picard as a second hostage. I think After- cool-headed LaForge works. Yeah, I guess. After I see, I just don't. I don't think anything's cool about LaForge, though. So it's just <laughs> uh, anyway. After West develops a uh, uh, develops a scan for the dimensional beaming and locates the Ensada underground base, the hostages are, hostages I can't talk. The hostages are freed, but not until Davos. Rich DeVos. <laughs> I can't even read it thanks to you. <laughs> but not until Davos kills Finn just as he's about to shoot the captain. Davos is coldly defensive. It's better for Finn to die than to live as a prisoner. The crew leaves thankful uh, for their liberated officers, but sobered by the unlikely prospects for peace anytime soon on the troubled planet. Now, I don't know about you. This right away reminded me a hell of a lot of... Ah, what's the name of that story? Ty. That story with with Princess Leia that we read in Marvel Star Wars reminded me a lot of that story. Because while they don't like fall in love and they never call each other friend or anything like that, there's clearly something going on between Finn and Doctor yes. Crusher. But so Crusher's, he ends up, hmm? Crusher's just smart enough to not fall into um, what is it, Stockholm syndrome? Yes, yeah, right, Stockholm yeah. syndrome. She yeah. she knows, but she you know she she's self aware enough to. To, it's very much actually it, it, actually we can hook it up to the last episode with Uhura where it's the same sort of plan where they used you know what looked like Uhura's weakness to fool the robots where as she right. basically told Picard look this guy's got the hots for me and he's like ah okay good we got something to work with you know it's a it's it's not a very good connection but I'm trying. Right. I, I think it's an uh, it's a good episode. I think it's an interesting episode. And I do really like that there's a moment in there where I think it's Finn that says it. So, somebody calls out basically... Picard. Some, uh, the Starfleet. Yeah. Yeah. Starfleet, basically... Yeah, it calls out some of the hypocrisy going on in the whole thing. Oh yeah, no, he tells. And him, I like tells that. him, you guys want to come in here, and you just come in and like you deal with whoever's in control, right? No matter what, and and you and you don't know what they're doing, but you don't want anything. You don't want any repercussions from that, and that's a totally valid point. <laughs> it, it is, yeah, I, I like that. But I like that in in a sense. The, the inherent goodness and I guess you could even say naivete of the Starfleet crew actually works to their great disadvantage in this particular scenario because mm. they end up potentially making a really bad situation worse. They come in trying to do the right thing and in the end 
could have been horribly exploited. Could have done horribly wrong. Yeah, could yeah. have been really, really wrong if you know they hadn't kind of managed to, to wrap it all up in 50 minutes and get the hell off the planet, you know? But at the end of the day, this is not an episode... This, is, this isn't a Kirk-style episode where everything's wrapped up and they fly away at the end and, and everything's hunky-dory. This is... They're, they're flying away at the end of this thing kind of with their tail between their legs and nothing's better on this planet. No. Really. Because it, it tries to give you a, a, a very lukewarm and half-hearted, you know, R Riker does the whole, you know, maybe it all, you know, maybe peace begins with one boy putting down his rifle. I'm thinking, I don't think that, so, too. You know what I got, what, what what word I've got written underneath that? I think it's Riker said, maybe the end starts with one boy putting down his gun. Bullshit. <laughs> right. Because, A, that wasn't like some... Yeah. Okay. That's that's just a that they needed a line to throw in the because this I mean this le ends on an ambiguous tone, but they didn't want to leave it full ambiguous, so they put in that line. But that's right. and the, and they actually kind of throw in and I noticed they didn't even mention it in the synopsis. Is that you know after after Finn has been shot by Reach Davos, um, this kid you know that there's a kid with a gun trained on on Davos. And right. he's got two of her guards right behind him with guns on him, and he's got the gun on her, and Picard talks him into putting his gun down. But that wasn't the kid being like, no, I must end this cycle of hatred. You know, that was the kid being like, look, kid, <laughs> you're, he was surrounded. Actually, I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's Crusher that talks him that down. Talks because. Him down. I, you know, I was the only reason I, I say that is because I was very tempted to say I was I was just about to say that I think Picard gives kind of a, a, a poor showing in this episode, but I have to take that back because he punches a man down. He wow. yeah, he knocks a some bitch out in this yeah. episode, which I thought was pretty damn cool. So, you know, score one for Picard. He finally steps up and does something other than sit there and bitch and complain and act like an old fuddy duddy through the episode. I liked that moment because you know again we're. We're getting closer to the Picard that I like a lot better. So he wasn't quite as stodgy in this one, especially, you know, again, when he gets up and he belts that guy. So I like that part. No, it's, I thought that it's, was pretty They're good. getting to the point of where when Picard, you know, there, there's no more threatening Picard ship after a while. You know, maybe right. it took him a while to get really into the Enterprise or whatever, but by season three, somebody starts messing with his ship. He's going to get a fist in the face. <laughs> right. That's the way it should be in Star Trek. Uh, who was it? Was it Crusher who said the line? Who was like, well, we live in an ideal situation. And I was just like, ha, ha, ha. Right. That's a, that's a that's perfect example. I I like the way this was. I like the dialogue in this. Even the mm -hmm. the stuff where I was going, ha, ha, ha. I, was met that the, I think the writer meant for me to be like, see some irony in her saying that they live in an ideal situation or civilization. It might have been Picard when he was talking about how he's like, look, your your civilization was formed on on um, on terrorism. This, this right. is definitely a pre 9-11 view of, mm -hmm. of terrorism in a TV show. And it was common Absolutely. in these days, in those days. And it was kind of a common sort of thing on Star Trek. And this is why I like Next Generation a lot is because they'll shade an issue. And they won't have to resolve it in in this one. But usually with and this is a reminds me a little bit of the, the Star Wars one. Usually with these stories with the um 
a, a stock the it's not so much as a Stockholm syndrome angle, but the um the it, it usually would go into like oh somebody so Crusher would would take would be captured by the terrorists and you know she's there as a doctor and she starts to sympathize with them and stuff and they do this a lot in Star Trek and you start seeing the terrorist side and you do start doing this in this show and you start seeing the side of the other people but then you start seeing that the other side has a dark side too and you start realizing that both sides are wrong and all this is going on in this episode but they never back down from the, the this guy's a killer i mean he 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 just he plainly puts the line down i know i kill you know tell that to all the people that you kill he goes i know i killed them i i you know he takes responsibility for using that tactic and right. the show draws a line saying, you know, we're not gonna, we're not going to shade that tactic as being a good shade. And, and the, you know, and the long and short of it, usually in Star Trek, you come to, you come to some agreement where it's like, okay, we figured out the, some, some, some way of both sides to become sympathetic with each other or trade places or something. And they don't in this one at all. They pretty much are just like, Nope, these guys' tactics are are garbage, you know, and Finn ends up dead at the end of the show, you know, right. just not not redeemed, uh, nothing, and with both sides ready to go on. I mean, they've got the main base of the people, you know, the the got the main government of the planet has basically sort of squelched. I guess I mean that would pretty much put an end to that rebellion. But there, she's still saying, you know, oh well, if he was in prison, he'd be you know it would be even more of people so that you know it's still going to be happening there which right. i the only thing that soured that for me was that that line at the end the maybe this all starts with a boy one boy putting down his gun it's just like that's sort of a classic that's more kirk era of like let's say something that makes us good and fly away and hope that it all turns out for the best there oh yeah that boy put down his gun they're fine you know We'll come well, also, back in 20 years and see how it's if it's gotten any better. Well, also, I think that was a, a sign, as you say, that this was pre 9-11, because these days I don't think you could get away with an ending like that and have anybody not go, come on, give me a break. Because as we've seen with the enemy that we're fighting, that every time you take out the head and you think, well, that's it. We took out the head guy. There's plenty well, there's, of others right behind him ready the, to take his place. That's the and nature step right in. of terrorism is there is exactly. no head. There's exactly. only temporary heads. Exactly. So, so you can't do uh, terrorism is not like the kind of thing that you defeat by taking out the head. As a matter of fact, it's like those that those stupid Hercules things where more heads will sprout up. You know. Yeah, the Hydra. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Hydra. So well, that's also they, they, why... they they explore a little of that, but they don't go into the normal usually you know sort of cop out of the things in there where you where the liberals where it's sort of a liberally sort of thing of like hey look very roddenberry type of thing of where it's like hey look these poor rebels are just trying to make their way blah 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 it doesn't go that route you know to its credit it, it could have simple it could have simplified it either way in like the, the terrorists being complete scumbag like you know Klingon type stereotypes or to be like noble misunderstood 
people that the the government is actually the bad guy in it and they don't go that way they make they make everybody sympathetic right up until what, uh, what would you say about like 15 minutes in and then you're like all right i'm ready to see the <laughs> this uh flynn guy uh get taken down you know he's not gonna he's not gonna just stop bombing people you know he's just dead set doing it even though he's lost his kid he's going to be uh you know and and it's funny because i would have rather had the storyline of the enterprise being like hey let's have a little sympathy for these guys then they try to bomb the enterprise <laughs> and that sort of changes their mind but it, it it isn't it's actually just sort of a big bumble by the enterprise crew from the beginning you know it's just sort of they bumble into a situation and they're lucky that they got out of it you know i mean i'm sure they learned a lesson <laughs> but they they learned the lesson this time they didn't teach any lesson to this civilization i don't know does that make any sense huh <laughs> i'm telling you that well you know maybe it didn't make any sense but i was there for the cheech and chong <laughs> not that kind of high mm -hmm. but yeah you don't you you, you wouldn't see this uh, an episode like this this day but that's actually one of the great things about star trek is it reflects it's the time period it's in you know and the issues of the time so you know original star trek is all is all that stuff from that time right so now you have the 90s except except you'll never have that aids episode that david gerald wrote that they didn't want to do you know the metaphor for the parasites that are a metaphor for aids yeah. that they didn't that they didn't do which would have been like you know it would have probably been an awful episode but it would have been the one where they're like and this one shows you know in the early 90s they were concerned about aids and they had this episode right you know, like that like the interracial kiss in the first one right but i don't think like when this one was shown since it was pre 9-11 i don't think people really felt very political about it you know they're just sort of like oh it's a terrorism story you know right well you know you have to remember at that time for us as americans terrorism was just the uh, it was a foreign concept it was a thing not, not, i'm movies. not trying to make a, a yeah exactly i'm not trying to make a, a horrible pun by saying that but it literally was a foreign concept to us we we didn't experience terrorism in this country we'd never dealt with it so it really wasn't until 9-11 that we were suddenly forced to deal with something that up until that point was something that, you know, these these crazy assholes in other countries had to deal with because not, they couldn't get along with each other. Not, and all of a sudden, you know, 9-11 brought it right here to us well, on our shores. The, the thing is, so, we had terrorism against us, but I mean, 9-11 was just like, just so not, completely huge, yeah, you know, like exactly, this was yeah. an attack. This wasn't like... Yeah. A little, you know, a, a few things. Somebody shooting up a, shooting at a bomber ship or something, or you know, right. blowing up a little deli somewhere. Well, well, that's not what the kind that would happen in America. But you know, yeah, it was just this massive, humongous thing, and uh, before, yeah, before that, it was just fodder for us. They, they, they probably sat around. All the writers probably sat around with, you know, with a list of. 200 different topics you know 
pulled out of the news and they would be like, okay, maybe we can write an episode on this, on this, you know? Right. And and this was just one that turned up now. And it, and if they and if there was a Star Trek show right now and they did one with a terrorism theme, it would be a totally different, <laughs> totally different story that we'd be dealing with. I'm not sure what the story would be, but it would be dealt with in a completely different way. Right. Which makes it interesting. Which actually adds it it adds a layer to the the viewing of this show that wasn't never meant to be on it or wasn't anticipated to be on it which means that's a that's a good sign of good science fiction doing doing what it's supposed to be doing i say that but then again good science fiction is all over the place good science fiction can also be shoot 'em up as long as it's doing doing it the way <laughs> it's supposed to be doing but that's how i always thought of I always thought of Star Trek The Next Generation as, uh, you know, sort of not hardcore, but old school science fiction, science based human drama, science fiction with a little bit of shoot 'em up right. added to it. And then a lot more once you got to movie phase because it's a movie. So they got to put the heinies in the seats. Right, but for the for the most part, you get a little action every once in a while. You get a an episode that's a pure you know adventure story, but a lot of the times you get like sort of as intellectual as TV is gonna get at that time. But I really enjoyed this episode. I I, no, I did too. I think it's a good one. I, I hope we I, I didn't make the impression that I didn't care for it because I really do. I, I think this is actually a really solid episode. It's just, as you say, in light of 9-11, it, it kind of changes some of the perspective on the episode as well. Um, and some of it seems a little less realistic, you know, in that light. Yeah. But uh, but that's not to say I don't enjoy it, because I really do. I think it's a really good one. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the things that that uh, Next Generation tried to do, and I, I think that it, it met a varying degree of success, but God bless them, they tried was to truly spotlight the different members of the crew yeah. as much as they could. So it wasn't like original, you know, Trek where it was, you know, typically it was either Shatner or Spock and then maybe occasionally McCoy. McCoy would get a for the world is hollow and I've touched the sky yeah, exactly. every once in a while. With, with Next Gen, you really did get, you know, the occasional, you know, as in this case, the occasional Dr. Crusher episode. Well, she really gets to run the gamut of emotions in this one, too. Yeah. She's, uh, she's close to tears, like, three times. And, you know, when, when they're having the conversation over her sons, was, she's like, look, I have a son up there, you know, to the... And this, I thought this was a very well-written scene when she's explaining to the terrorist leader who's got the hots for her, and right. and and visually, he's portrayed as as somebody. He's not portrayed as a bad guy. He's got the long, flowing, you know, seventies <laughs> hippie hair, or the you know the the Doug Henning hair. And, <laughs> Doug Henning hair. <laughs> and, and he's like, you know, and and he says to her, "Hey, I lost my son. If you lose your son, that's tough titty, basically." Let's you know? lose sons together. Yeah, it's sad and 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 all that, and you know, I, I and he, you could tell he liked Captain Picard, but he was gonna have no problem killing him if he had to kill him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that'd be me. 
I like Captain Picard, but I'd have no problem. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to watch out because Reach Davos will just shoot you from behind if you try. <laughs> Amway president and co-founder Rich Davos has spoken to hundreds of thousands of distributors and prospects about becoming a success by making the effort. This talk is called Try or Cry. It has inspired so many to accomplishments they didn't dream were possible. Now, here's Rich DeVos. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the two true freaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.